0: And we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello and welcome to the show. So anyone who knows me knows that I love antique cars. I love them. I think they're gorgeous. I think that the height of the American car movement was really from the 50s to the 80s, with a peak right in the 60s, the muscle car era, uh, with the 67 Mustang, Ford Mustang Fastback being probably one of my favorite cars of all time. But I got a problem. I love the environment. These things aren't very efficient. They pollute quite a bit, and I want to have one, but I don't want to. I don't want to destroy the environment in the process. So what do I do? I've got this obvious this this passion for these cars, you know. But I've got this internal conflict. How do I resolve this? I got the devil on one side, the angel on the other. People have, have encountered this, I'm sure. Tons of people. How do I solve this problem? Well, the good news is I don't have to solve the problem. Someone else has solved it for me, and that is Michael Bream. Bream the Dream of EV West down in San Diego. So what he does is he will take your internal combustion engine. It doesn't have to be a classic car, but that's what he specializes in. Takes these things, will get rid of the combustion engine, all the things associated with it and put in an electric motor. Uh you know, one of the sometimes it's it's Tesla motors that you know, Teslas get crashed up, uh you know, they they end up in a in a junkyard. Well, he'll take them source all the parts, harvest them, you know, like a like a electric motor farmer and he'll sell them to you or he'll convert your car for you. All this stuff, it's amazing what he's doing down there. I love this, you know, this is what I want to do. This is my my future plan here. So what I'm down here, Michael, obviously I'm sitting in front of you. We're we're down here in your shop EV West down in San Diego. Now, as I was walking around, I noticed a few things. Some that were borderline unsettling. Electricity arcs everywhere. It's like Frankenstein's lab. There's no grease. Uh, I don't see any naked women catalog or calendars up anywhere. You walking around in flip flops. What's going on here, man? Are you reanimating the dead, or what's what what goes on in this place? Yeah, I thought this
1: was an audio interview, and we're going to describe the place. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> you know we just try to have fun. It is a weekend, so uh, we're a little bit more loose today than we normally
0: are. You run a pretty tight ship? What do you mean, like a little more loose?
1: Well, I think uh, it's kind of neat when, you know, what do they say? If you do something you enjoy, you never really work. And uh, most everyone here is in that frame of mind. So what you saw when you came in here was about a half dozen employees uh, just working on their own personal projects and having fun today,
0: to be totally honest. Um, so is that, is that guy? Is he making an electric blaster? Like, is he trying to shoot electricity like a Tesla coil? What's going on back there? <laughs> Those guys were working on a, uh, a skateboard
1: project. Yeah. And I didn't, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think they made some sparks before uh, I walked oh, yeah, over yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So
0: you got you got a treat. Well, so it's hold like on. seeing a shooting star.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> Wait, no, no. What do you mean? That sounds like a pretty interesting skateboard <laughs> yeah. project. How do you involve electric arcs um, and some kind of projectile device in skateboards? Well.
1: Uh, Look, I mean, electricity is our new fuel. It's our transport fuel, everything around here. Uh, you know, when you walked in, I was playing with the electric motorcycle. There's an electric paramotor project for some flight over there. We have skateboards. The guys are working on a couple cars. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's our new fuel for transport, right? From here going forward, uh, everything else is just yesterday's news.
0: Well, what does that have to do with skateboards, man? Uh,
1: transport. So you mean...
0: Okay, so I, I ride
1: that everywhere. If you want to go, you know, have a, a drink or a sandwich down the street or something like that, we can take the skateboards for sure.
0: Wait, no, so, okay, you mean you're electrifying skateboards? Well, we're playing with it,
1: right? Yeah, uh, like we play with everything. So, uh, as a company, we, you know, we sell parts um, in service for electric vehicle conversions, classic cars, and specialty projects. But what you have is a lot of free thinking engineers back there and technicians that aren't just coming in and punching the clock Monday through Friday, right? They're living this stuff. They wake mm. up Saturday morning, and they can't wait to come to work yeah. to work on something. And, you know, we'll go down to the beach. We'll do... 10, 15-plus miles on an electric skateboard, you know? Yeah. And what's happening is, the, you know, it, it's it's this mild march of technology. It happened to computers, right? I mean, I remember a time when, uh, well, like this interview you're recording on a computer, I mean, that was obscene, you know, back in the 90s. Yeah. And then the bus speed improved and the processor it finally got to the point where you could barely record audio. And then just seamlessly, uh, it just kept marching Long technology did, and now you're upset if you don't have 1080 video streaming within four (laughs) seconds, right? Right. So, and 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 this is what's happening with um, the battery technology and the energy density. So we had these transport devices that um, you know were kind of like computers in the 90s, just mostly disappointing and overpriced. So people talk about making uh, you know transportation solutions for that last mile and. Uh, covering that but what you see is technology advancing so quickly now that a lot of these solutions the scooters and things uh, that were made for those situations are now uh, almost turning into primary forms of transportation. Right. So uh, the advancement is just relentless, right? It just keeps mm-hmm. marching forward. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I guess kind of, you know, it's like the evolution of technology in a way because you started in skateboards. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where you started in all this. Well, which is, uh, no, you no? Well, <laughs> back further. So, uh, you know, born and raised in Southern California,
1: 48 yeah. years old. Uh, I graduated with a computer engineering degree and um computer engineering right and to say you started in skateboards is you know uh i mean that's a hobby that's just something we do here in southern california we don't do it uh on purpose or to pretend to be anything other than just um you know filling the
0: void right well, uh, I meant as a career because I mean that's a you had a pretty lucrative hobby. I mean <laughs> it was a twenty year hobby that netted you bazillions.
1: Yeah, well, um, it was uh, it was definitely an accident. I was uh, <laughs> looking for a job full time, you know, uh, doing what newly minted engineers do. And uh, during that course, just to pass the time in between interviews, I was making some boards and making some design changes to some existing product. And it just took off. It was actually an accidental business, to be honest. Who are you making boards for? Uh, myself and some friends and stuff. Yeah, we were just, it just kind of grew. And then, I mean, it really started one day when one of my good friends that I uh, used to surf with quite a bit was, uh, he had a, a job at one of the local surf shops. And he said, hey, why don't you bring in some boards to sell? and you know it was funny we didn't even have a name or anything we were just cutting them out so we came up with a, a name on the fly and took them in there and hey we're we're in business <laughs> what
0: you named your company like on the drive over
1: <laughs> no i mean it wasn't quite like that but yeah almost
0: you know i mean we had to make a silk screen and stuff but yeah we just um So what did you go – did you just like look around and say like, well, everything's attached to the ground, let's go with gravity? Or were you trying to defy gravity? We were
1: just kind of talking about the feeling of of writing and what it did and kind of the low pivotal style and kind of getting pulled in by gravity and stuff. Yeah, it was just kind of a descriptive – uh, you know, it's one of those things just sitting around. I mean, it's it's every bit probably as dorky as you imagine. A couple of, you, <laughs> you know, young, uh, gr- fresh graduates like, yeah, dude, that was so sick. And the gravity yeah. was like, man, cool. You know, it was, yeah. what, it was totally one of those situations. And <laughs> that, that's what's so fun about it. You can, um, you know, you can really take business serious and you can really focus on nothing but the dollar. And then when you're done, you realize that you just chased this dollar the whole time. And, yeah.
0: um,
1: you know, really... Um, my only business advice is: uh, if it makes you laugh, if it makes you smile, and if it makes you think about it when you wake up in the morning, it's probably pretty fun and a pretty good product idea. And right. it's kind of one of those things, you know. We we made some uh, changes to the board that just made it more fun to ride uh, in a more variety of conditions and variety of rider styles and ability levels and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, fast forward 20 years or whatever, 23 years after doing the skateboards, doing the electric car stuff, it's, it's really the same thing. We just, um, it was a total organic, uh, you know, the impetus of the, that company was really just playing with some gas cars, having fun, and then wanting to take it to the next level. So it was another business that was uh, absolutely born out of a hobby.
0: Wow. And it's you did quite an incredible Southern California impression. Did you really talk like that? <laughs> I had enough friends that did. <laughs> so, oh so you never did, yeah. you were the straight lady. I don't friend. know.
1: You know, I'm not gonna admit to stuff like that here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of admitting to stuff, you know, I I, I yeah, I, I do a lot of research on people. I uncovered probably one of the first top, the, one of the first ten videos uploaded to YouTube of you doing some Tokyo drift style oh, moves wow, on a yeah. skateboard. I'm gonna put it up on the website, <laughs> oh, obviously. Uh, what happened? I, I don't, I don't know who put it up because it wasn't you guys. So someone else has this yeah. footage out there. It's extraordinary. Well, we were out
1: there. The, the funny thing was the oh, you era. Well, you know. Well, some of it finds its way to the web. I don't probably know what you're talking about, but oh, the, the funny will. thing is most of the footage with me in it is uh, resides on like VHS tape. <laughs> yeah I know am I right. dating myself VHS tape and then we yeah. got in towards the end there we I think we produced a total of uh, seven or eight company VHS releases <laughs> before we went to DVD and I think we did three or four on DVD before we went streaming and yeah do you and, have these still?
0: Are they in the shop?
1: Uh, yeah, I have archives. I, I you oh. know it's weird I, I actually don't own a VHS. Player anymore? Wow, um, that's and, not surprising uh, at all. You know, I figure sometime in the future I'll probably pull out the the, the ones that I really want to
0: see and take them to a service, yeah. and have it done, and probably put it on YouTube or something. That's amazing. Uh, I'd love to see if you have pictures of the. Case, I'd love to see pictures of the uh, boxes I put them up. Uh, that's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you went from so you did skateboards, extremely successful. Do you still? You don't still uh, own? Did you sell Gravity? Yeah, yeah, I sold that a couple years ago. Did you? I, okay, uh, so it's owned by yeah. someone else. Now, do uh-huh. you have any, any say in it at all, or can they totally trash your name, or how does that work? Uh,
1: yeah, no, they, uh, they, they bought it. I still have, I still get some stuff out of it, and, you know, actually, believe it or not, I have a perpetuity clause to get free skateboards, because I got to... You know. oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah. I think like a uh, Dr. Dre yeah. style, like easy <laughs> eat stuff that they did for the, no, the music and, industry. No, you know the funny thing again, it's not royalties or money or anything. I just wanted skateboards. You know, I wanted something yeah. made with a little bit of pride. You know, sure. so um, yeah, it was it was a good fun time. I, I before starting that company, you know, being an engineer, I've never had a business class in my life, and it provided this great atmosphere to kind of learn business on the fly. And just having a college degree in engineering probably uh, helped me quite a bit with, you know, not, uh, you know, learning the business stuff quicker, right? There was definitely, I mean, I I took some lumps for sure early on, just not knowing business. Um, And I know how to build a really good product, Uh, just couldn't you know, run a company well around that, and over the course of the couple decades since, you know, I've I've uh, <laughs> I've figured out some efficiencies. Anyways, sure, you know, we all make mistakes, but um, I think the easiest, you know, best thing to do is just help help your business run efficient. You know, right. don't make it burdensome. Yeah. Yeah,
0: which I guess is kind of like what electricity is. It's an efficiency and it oh, all kind man. of goes yeah, back to, right? to go good, back.
1: Yeah, good analogy. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's not too many things you can just
0: make on your roof. Now before we move on, I gotta I I I gotta just get clarity on one thing here. When you say a perpetuity clause, can you call them up like now and say I'd like 10 boards can you send them to me how does how does that work exactly yeah you it's can actually give me an details. email but yeah <laughs> okay. in fact i sent
1: one yesterday for a couple boards for christmas but yeah really yeah, absolutely
0: yeah. oh my god that's yeah. ridiculous what a great I well, mean, I guess- it's
1: you know these are these are your children essentially i mean imagine sure. being involved in a company and making all these design decisions over the course of a couple decades that right. influence the look and the shape and the feel and the style uh, and then it, it kind of goes away. Yeah, and, and I didn't have any say. And that that was a, a, a little emotional, you know, for imagine. sure, making that final, uh, you know, the last time you ever said anything that influenced anything, <laughs> you know. Right, yeah. And then everyone just ignored yeah, you. Yeah. you know. Yeah, well, that happened a long time ago.
0: <laughs> they just led me to believe that, you know, yeah. I had a say. Wow. So. That's pretty cool, though. I'm beginning to walk away with something. That's a good golden parachute, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I, again, you know, uh, Just a great time uh, having a lot of fun and learning business. And, you know, it's funny now being involved in the electric cars because uh, unknowingly both uh, businesses so far, both careers have essentially been in green transportation. You know, we were really... Kind of pushing skateboards is as, as transportation, city transportation stuff like that, more than um, just going out for tricks. So, right.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Oh, so you have. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, which is kind of. I mean, that is a really cool thrust because it's kind of what ha- made me resonate with all the stuff that you do because I'm really into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope this. I hope our relationship lasts longer because I want a car like what you do here because these things are amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about at 2010. Is that when you started EV West? Correct. Yeah. So, so what was the the transition from these incredibly, this incredible lucrative company making skateboards into another incredibly lucrative company making uh, electric cars.
1: Well, so I was, I was actually bored, right? Skateboarding, um,
0: literally bored. It, it, yeah, I was, yeah, I was bored to death.
1: Uh, yeah. It was an industry that really uh, rewarded, um, you know, marketing and big names and things like that uh, much more than it did uh, engineering, you know, successes. Uh, so I was, I was just bored. I was looking for other stuff to do. A friend called me up one day and asked if I wanted to do some amateur race car driving. And uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. And we ran some, we built a car and there was a small team of four of us, four friends, and uh, built a car, raced it, did uh, pretty well. We, we actually won a couple races. Uh, after, you know, lear- learning the ropes over the course of a couple of years, I think our second or third season, we won a race and then started winning some races. And that felt really good. Mm-hmm. And then it's weird how the mind works. It's like, okay, we, we, I kind of felt like, okay, we tackled that problem. What's, what's next. Right. And uh, so this is now coming into 2010. And I've seen some articles on Elon mm-hmm. Musk at this point, they had just started shipping the Roadster, right. uh, just barely, it had been delayed and delayed. And uh, looked into it and with some of the technology that was available, uh, decided I could actually build an electric race car and started on that journey then. So you modeled uh,
0: yourself after Elon Musk. No,
1: no, 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 no. I, I was inspired by him. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't want to say that like it's all cliche and stuff because I think <laughs> that's that's blown out and people like to talk about the conspiracy stuff and people killing them. Li- it has nothing to do with that. Once you get down to the numbers as an engineer, it's just simple uh, math. You know, the, uh-huh. the amount of energy that you need to race uh, when you convert that into the form of batteries was just too heavy to be useful. Mm-hmm. And uh, as the lithium technology advanced and the motors and the controllers got better, uh, the capabilities you know improved greatly, like uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And so we we built a car. We ended up, um, Entering and racing the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb in 2012, it's the second oldest car race in America behind the Indy 500. So we wanted something that was
0: not the Cannonball Run, isn't that? Yeah, right. uh, (laughs) Well, you could have, but isn't that the? We're not talking popularity. We're talking oldest. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) You don't have to be popular to be old. But (laughs) uh,
1: yeah, no, it was. I mean, it's a very, very well respected internationally. uh, You know. uh, venue for for racing and they well it's difficult too
0: because it's a seven percent grade up 12 miles or something yeah yeah uh, yeah
1: for those that don't know it starts at 9,000 feet the summit's at 14,000 feet so it's up there most athletes will uh actually use oxygen running the course Uh, 156 turns you know most of them hairpin turns over uh, uh just over 10 miles or something like that so uh it was fun it was a total blast we built a car uh took it up there uh, ran a fantastic time, beat every car in the vintage class. We set a record uh, for street-legal electrics that year. And it was really, I mean, that was, that, that was it. That sealed the, the fate of our future, you know. Um, Does your record still stand? Uh, no, it was actually taken last year. Uh, another street-legal guy, a guy gutted out a Tesla, and they actually took our record. So we're taking our E36 M3 back up next year and seeing if we can get it back.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's
1: crazy. Yeah, we, uh, you know, you got to kind of, like we did that. we really wanted to go back sooner. We were just kind of Waiting for an opportunity, and you kind of need an excuse, and having your record beaten is the perfect excuse. Right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I would. I wouldn't let that stand. Um, and it doesn't sound like you're going to either. No. So, <laughs> so how did you build a car for that? I mean, because it's not only about power, um, but also. I think I was in one of your interviews. You made an interesting point on the difference between mm-hmm. electric cars and uh, and gas cars or combustion engines, I should say, in that. Um, When you're using a combustion engine, it requires oxygen to come in, and as you mentioned, athletes are using oxygen tanks, it's very thin. Essentially, an electric car seems almost perfectly suited for this type of run. Or at least it's an unfair advantage.
1: Well, yeah, I mean um, –
0: And not unfair, but I mean like, you know, it's something you can capitalize on.
1: I don't think it's unfair. I think what it is is um, you start seeing uh, huge obvious advantages to electric propulsion, right? Mm, yeah. And as the technology improves, capability improves, and the advantages become more clear, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're in an early adopters phase right now. And um, I'm not saddened by it, but I definitely know the majority of people are going to go electric because it's a financial decision for them, right? So early on, there's, uh, you know, kind of the forward thinking, kind of progressive people are solving problems and putting up with a little bit. Of you know whatever you want to call it range anxiety or working around a limited charging network things like that they're the early adopters they're the ones really investing the time and energy to get this thing going mm-hmm. um, and now you can see you know wh- where it's going like all of these little advantages everywhere from the cars just being safer you know from the standpoint of. Uh, a combustible fuel fire, you know. Right, uh, right. Yeah, it's great. We actually have statistics now. I think uh, Elon Musk was touting um, based on just Tesla alone, a uh, number of fires per million miles is how they measure it, and they're <laughs> they're right now at a factor of eleven to one safer than a combustion car, right? And I think you're going to see this improve, and and uh, the public perception is going to change, right?
0: Yeah, um, but I mean that seems. I mean that's great, but it seems obvious if there's nothing that's going to explode. Of course, it's right. going to be safe. Well, I mean, you like you can electrocute they, yourself, I guess.
1: Well, yeah, and you can't ship gasoline through the mail, but you can ship a battery. So there's obvious right. advantages. I mean, look at the indoor right. market. Uh, you know, we um, one of our early customers uh, that was doing a huge number of conversions was Zamboni. They were making. Uh, they oh, were like, right, right. Okay. Because um, this is oh, a real problem. Cool. I mean, this is a real health problem, right? Like kids are actually injured by the poor air from the combustion engines in some of these ice rinks, right? They, they actually oh, had some asthma problems. That makes problems. so much sense. Right, right. And so, you know, and there's so many situations like this over and over. I mean, yeah. you know, from uh, huh. we've helped people work on, you know, everything from indoor construction equipment to, oh, right. uh, you know, um, uh, a famous uh, musician insisted that his whole set was, on solar and so they had to charge these batteries on solar. And there's all these things kind of coming out and you realize talking to more and more customers, I mean, I've got a customer that uh, made himself an electric snowmobile, he lives up in Canada and he actually charges a battery bank from a water wheel. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Right, And it was made in the late 1800s, the water wheel was. So um, you you realize how easy it is, you know, all the cars, all the stuff that we were playing with in the back, right? All of that stuff we charge here. Uh, with just our small little system on the roof. We just have right. a small little solar system. we made our own Tesla power wall. Uh, and that's what we charge everything with. So we essentially drive for
0: free. You know We uh, produce all of our own fuel in-house that's insane. Well, and it's it's crazy because I did this other documentary about this small community and and one of the things they did is not this is in the 60s and 70s and 80s, they were their goal was to get off grid that early. And it was funny while I was talking to them, one of the interesting things is the the technological edge are these advanced batteries and being yeah. able to use them, but they're being charged, and people are going back to this very archaic form of creating energy, right. which is water wheels, or the right. sun, or Wind. windmills. You yeah. <laughs> know, right? Because windmills was the universe. You know, yeah. it is because it was what they were using yeah. on you know in rural <laughs> farms to to power Isn't there. it, fa- I mean,
1: it's it's it's, really, it's so fantastic. I mean, we got into this. I mean, I have to admit, we got into it because of racing. We wanted to do cool stuff, and then we started doing the vintage cars, and we found ourselves in a position now where we're taking you know modern drive lines out of cars that you know maybe hit a tree and the rest of the car is no longer usable and you have this old car that has this old antiquated engine technology. It's essentially not usable anymore. Mm -hmm. And you take the working bits out of both of those, put them together, and then you fuel it with solar, wind, and you all of a sudden have literally the most sustainable model you can think of for transportation, you know? And that wasn't the goal. We were
0: really just trying to create cool cars, right? Cool vehicles and and things that are fun to drive. Well, I gotta tell you, one of the things I love about this, I, I love antique cars. I had a 1950 Plymouth for a long time. Uh, I've always wanted to know how to work on cars. But the problem is I never really had anyone to teach me, and it takes forever to learn, and I never had the spare time. So I had to get rid of it. I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really maintain it. But the, I, and, and they're also extremely, they a lot of pollution. They don't get a lot of miles to the gallon. You know, this is a straight six, which is an you know, inefficient engine. I love the idea of taking an old car, you know, like an old car, taking out the engine, putting in an electric engine and driving around in a classic automobile that you charge with solar power. I love that idea. I want this thing. How can I make it happen?
1: Yeah, uh, we have a website. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, I mean, that's that's what we do. It's fantastic. I was just listening to you, you know, just that that uh, it sounds like you have passion, right? I love like it. you really want uh, this. Want and, and we we hear that in a lot of customers because uh, you know, quite frankly, they just get it. They, they see that this is a sustainable loop. I mean, we're kind of isolated here, right? Like we could lose uh, power, the rest of the world, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm still driving to and from work. We're still having fun. We're still riding the skateboards and doing donuts in the race car. And, you know, right. our world doesn't really stop. And you think about um, how much safer that kind of makes you in a way, especially yeah. some of, you know, we saw what happened last year and, in, in, uh, you know, down in the Caribbean and Puerto Rico and places like that. Uh, and so now you're seeing this whole kind of sustainable culture, right? So, uh, you know, Tesla put a huge power pack, uh, power wall mm-hmm. on the island of Kauai. And now you kind of shift to that's your fuel now, right? Mm-hmm. And then everything else follows. If that's your fuel, why would you be shipping gasoline over to the island anymore, right? right? You So, you know, you start making that shift towards electric transportation and, of everything in that arena and everything's just better i mean you know it's tough because i'm totally biased and i know sometimes my friends get sick of me talking about electric all the time but like even last year we're cutting down some avocado trees and i i got rid of my gas chainsaw and got an electric one and i was just like this is so much better it doesn't idle it feels safer like everything about it just (laughs) seems better and we're seeing this with tools and all this stuff i mean everything that's kind of powered you're seeing a shift to
0: electric you know and and um, and safe chainsaws are really important. I think we would need more of those in the, in the
1: Yeah, moment. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, one of my heroes is Dean Kamen. I'm um, uh-huh. not sure if you're familiar with him. He invented the Segway, but he's done a lot of other really fascinating stuff. He's working on a solar-powered reverse osmosis, uh, kind of like a water condensation mm. uh, filtering process for poorer countries, basically pulling water out of thin air using solar power. The guy's amazing. Um and so he, he now is doing a lot of stuff with robotics. And mm-hmm. you're seeing this energy density in the batteries being put into products that are helping, um, you know, veterans and disabled people actually live a normal life, you know. So it's not just all fun and games and skateboards and stuff. The actual energy density and the power density and the technology is being used in these applications that are, I mean, just absolutely life-changing uh, mm-hmm. for some people, you know. Um, and that's, uh, it just kind of goes along with uh, the territory, all electrics, you know what I mean? You're not going to yeah. have some gas powered prosthesis on your yeah. arm, you know? Yeah. And so we've really been waiting for this. And, and you know, we touched on like the scooter companies earlier and a lot of this big money being put into these projects. And, um, you know, I, I call it the unintentional kind of advancement of the technology because, um, they're they're paying this money, they have investor money to put all this money into the segment, and the result is a lot of advancement in that technology that then can be used in applications mm. that weren't even thought of uh, right. previously, right?
0: Right, no, it, it makes perfect sense, and I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm kind of a paranoid guy. I love the idea of having my own power, and I've seen way too many zombie movies and apocalypse movies to know what happens when you don't have power, you don't have food. If you can grow your own food and make <laughs> yeah. your own power, you know, in the inevitable zombie apocalypse, you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because in my lifetime, you know, when I grew up, Mad Max was like a really cool film. And right. now I look at it and I'm like, that would never happen.
0: We'd just have solar panels. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, it is ridiculous. So, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It's funny you mentioned next. I just watched Fury Road and uh, I was blown yeah. away by how ridiculous yeah. it is, besides like how. Well, the
1: shot. new one, you can't count new movies. They're just trying to entertain you. They're not doing yeah. it from their heart and their soul, right? That's Somebody funny. back in the day truly felt that that was what it was going to be like, Armageddon, when we're running out of. Gas and yeah. the original Mad Max was a fantastic movie because it was somebody's vision of that. The second one was just like you know somebody blowing up a CGI budget or something like that. Right? <laughs> really? No, but, that's fair. But
0: but um, you it's know, same I, guy though. I'll tell you, the same guy. The same if guy. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's just a different audience nowadays.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, no, and I agree. And, and look, I, I've wanted to have an electric car forever. I have a Prius now, which I'm like halfway there. Right. Uh, the problem is that I live. I'm probably one of the few people who it would be very difficult to put in a charging station. I live in a large, an old residential complex in Los Angeles mm-hmm. that ha- doesn't have the infrastructure for it. Uh, well, it would just take. Right. The, I would it would require them changing and giving me an option to charge because there aren't charging stations around that I could go to. It's difficult. What what do people like that? What do they do?
1: Well, so mostly that's fueled by misconception. I mean, they talk about you know, right. the network.
0: Um, most of my comments are fueled by misconception. Well,
1: no, it's not you. I mean, this is uh, this is fantastic because you, you echo the same kind of thoughts that the general population does, and th- this is difficult. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know of too many buildings that don't have electricity, right? So the infrastructure is already in place, right? We've built up this great electric grid in the United States, probably one of the most uh, reliable grids uh, in, in as far as coverage in, in the whole entire world right so we're already there the infrastructure is there. Uh, There's a misconception that you need some sort of special, you know, station to charge your car. and You really don't. The public ones that do much higher charge rates, there's special infrastructure in place there. So, you know, that being said, we're seeing new, more creative uses. Uh, The lamppost charging stations are starting to show up. You know, they're finding out that, hey, we already have all these sources of electricity in these convenient places. Let's kind of combine some tasks at the same time so we can do lighting and charging and stuff like that. Now... There is uh, a portion of the population that lives in areas that just absolutely you can't charge. And uh, their solution is probably about two years away. We're seeing the battery pack size get so large now that charging is really gonna become a kind of a once in a month event, right? Uh, the brand new Tesla Roadster that's coming out in 2020, this is just two short years away, has a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack, good for a thousand miles range. You know, now you're getting into, okay, uh, the average guy drives 12,000 miles a year, so you're gonna charge your car 12 times a year. You know, so mm-hmm. once a month you go out to dinner and a movie and you go to a public charging station and then you're good for all your traveling that month or something along those lines. So uh, the energy density is going to get to a point where it's going to, again, like I was saying earlier, it's just going to solve all these problems and open up new applications. You know, uh, something that we're going to see expand real quickly is flight. You know, mm-hmm. uh, once I mean, it's already there. We've already got a lot of electric projects going in the air. Um but this kind of energy density that's out there when we start going above you know 500 watt hours I mean even a kilowatt hour per kilogram when we get into that kind of energy density, uh, those markets
0: uh, electric aviation is just going to be explosive absolutely. I think so you know one of the things as you're mentioning that, I think getting the public to trust that someone's charged the battery when they're taking off in an airplane. At least, you know, obviously you can run out of gas. But most people, you wouldn't think like, oh, they forgot to fill up the tank. Of course that happens. But I think, you know, more of a fear would be, hey, did they charge the battery on this thing? You know? Yeah. Um, That can be scary (laughs) because then you're (laughs) done.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know... It it depends. I mean, this is, you know, now we're talking so far out there, there's nothing kind of jet or turbine electric yet. So we're, we're playing with prop planes and stuff like that. Um, You know, a a real world example like today, as we sit here, um, you know, Pipistrel makes a little tiny electric plane and they use it for uh, trainers. And so the students go and they practice takeoffs and landings, and they're doing this over and over and over. And, you know, here you have something, okay, they're not burning fuel anymore. Uh, They've reduced their carbon footprint, they've reduced their noise, they've, uh, you know, it's a safer plane. Um so you know it's an improvement all the way around and you know I think as humans we all like improvement. No that's <laughs> so, that's true. Yeah you can't fight it right I mean you can't fight some of these things it's it was easier a couple of years ago when it was uh, you know painfully expensive right and heavy and just tough um but one by one these barriers are just lowering themselves and it's the the entry's much easier.
0: Well and and I love the idea because kind of you know what you mentioned about, you know, filling up, you know, charging your car, you know, once a month or whatever. It's interesting because right now, it, it the way you charge a car parallels getting gas. You know, the, the typical charge goes for this, basically what a gallon of, or a tank of gas will get you. But once you start separating that and you start doing it once a month, then I think that becomes extraordinarily appealing to people. Uh, I think that that could be, that's a really big selling point.
1: Right, because, you know, I mean, I'm an advocate for electric, but it's not fair to say if a car goes 400 miles and electric goes 400 miles are the same because you can fill a tank of gas in a couple minutes and you can't do that with electric. So right. you really have to plan out that 400 miles well. So to really be almost on par, the electric car almost needs to go, you know, 800 miles or something like that, where you can just kind of, in a moment's notice, run, jump in the car and do a road trip, so to speak. You right. know, at least get you to that evening where you could charge overnight and wake up with a full charge. You know, I mean, that's the that real beauty of driving electric is every morning walking out to your car, having a full charge, and knowing I don't gotta do any last minute stops at a gas <laughs> station or anything like that. I mean, right. that's actually the the uh, and I'm sure your listeners, if you drive an electric car, you're probably sitting there nodding your head right now, going, "Yeah, yeah that's actually the best thing about driving an electric car is I never have that." You know, because it, it never fails. The one morning you're late is the one morning you get in your car car and the tank's on E and you gotta go by the gas station. There's a long line or whatever it might be. So every morning, uh, you know, my wife and myself, we both drive electrics. We wake up full charge, ready for
0: the day, wherever we're going to drive. Yeah. Do you ever fear, you know how kids sometimes rebel against their parents? Do you ever fear that your kid's going to just get the biggest gas guzzler and drive around in a a Hummer H3 or something like that? Oh, no, we're an equal opportunity family. We go to monster truck jam and all that. (laughs) I mean, I'm a gasser, you know, I
1: still race a gas car. I still have a gas dirt bike. Yeah. I mean, look at-
0: um, A lot of people are Hearing this, are you okay giving that information out there?
1: Well, yeah, because um, there's no marketing facade here. We're just having fun and we're making neat things. It doesn't take away from anything, right? I think right. that's uh, another misconception that we're coming in and taking stuff away and we're not. We're adding to the symphony of power plants, right? Uh, you know, you can, can like turbocharge, you can supercharge, you can do all these things. I mean, there's rotaries. I mean, they're making engines now with variable compression. I mean, wrap your mind around that. And the technology is phenomenal, and, and as a power guy, you just want to see all of this stuff succeed. Yeah. Um, but as a betting man, I'm going to tell you, I know which one's going to win. It's going to be electric. I mean, the advances that they're making, the torque, the power—I mean, it's just crazy. I've no, you know, our 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 car out there, our race car can spin the tires on the freeway at like 80 miles an hour. That's just absurd, and it's just something that we just kind of tinker with, you know. Yeah, um, that's the future. It's fun if you're a car guy. It's just
0: like the most exciting time ever. Well, it's interesting that you know. Because I love cars too. I'm not, like I said, I'm not good under the hood, but I loved, I've love. i always loved the history of cars. It is amazing to me uh, that there are very few technologies that have lasted and have been outdated for so long. I mean obviously electric cars have only really been viable as long as the battery pack has been... Light enough to be able to carry around and hold enough of a charge, but essentially the internal combustion engine hasn't really changed in a hundred years. Um, that's really bizarre. So this this evolution to electricity is a huge technological evolution, especially socially. But you know, from 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 an elect- from a uh, an invention standpoint, it's big too.
1: Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, you can't talk about this with a little bit of politics because uh, all of these advancements that we've seen. Uh, focus on regulation, right? right what course. what most people, I think it's not super obvious, uh, anything more efficient is almost by nature more powerful. You're putting, you know, more energy into mm-hmm. driving and then, then in efficiencies. So, you know, now we're seeing seven, eight, 10-speed transmissions. I mean, all of these, uh, you know, advancements in combustion really just to lower uh, the emissions, right? And so the electric mm-hmm. cars uh, were originally... Um, funded really because of this. You know, some of uh, Tesla's funding was done with zero emission credits that other automakers had to pay in uh, because they weren't making, uh, not everybody was making a Prius 10 years ago. Right. You know? And um, so here, you know, okay, fast forward 10 years, these regulations that everybody thought would be job killing and, and, stifle, (laughs) the I mean, they literally thought it was going to stifle creativity and the advancement of technology and did absolutely the opposite. It made technology flourish. I mean, now California is like a world leader in building efficient driveline systems. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, uh, as a a lifetime Californian and as, you know, American, I mean, this is the most prideful thing ever. We've had the big three automakers forever and they've really lost their global influence. And then all of a sudden we have this fourth American automaker and, uh, They're just championing it and they're taking over the world. I mean, their sales, you know, they're opening up a factory in China and they're doing all this stuff and they're just going um, full speed ahead, you know. And um, it was a direct result of literally just trying to regulate our transportation to be cleaner.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you talk about conspiracies, and I mean, it's, you know, oil's had a grip on the United States forever, and I think this flies right. in the face of that, especially when you're getting all your energy from solar, uh, or at least most of it, uh, when that's a possibility. Yeah, and there's no conspiracy. We want to be super oh, clear here.
1: There's, there's, uh, It's just financial, right? You have guys, I mean... Um, sure, GM bought a bunch of you know cable cars back in the day and dismantled them. Is it really a conspiracy? No, it's just, sure, it's, it's bad for the public, but it's good for their business, right? Um, they're doing what they should have done for their business. I'm not defending it. I think it was terrible, by the way. But um, none of this stuff, I mean, I, we hear it over and over, electric cars are kind of fraught with this whole, like, oh, there's a conspiracy to keep them down. And uh, you know, being in the industry, I feel our opinion's important. and we're, it, it's not a conspiracy. It was just a performance uh model you just couldn't get you know before 10 years ago you couldn't even get more than 40 50 miles out of a car i mean i know there was exceptions and they built a van loaded with batteries that did 120 miles once or whatever it might be but like for the everyday driver it was absolutely unobtainable until just uh recently you know in the last half decade
0: i mean the ev1 in 2000 was i mean they could, gm crushed all their, their electric cars they had a whole they had a rav4 that was electric right. so I, right. I i would you know we don't have to get down a whole conspiracy ben i would i would push back well, and was say, It
1: was too expensive to support. It really was. It was too expensive to support. And if they weren't forced to do it, they weren't going to do it. And again, it comes back around to regulation and all that. And I'm not trying to make any statements. It's just a matter of fact that... Because uh, the car backed down, didn't require them to build the car. The first thing they're going to do is scrap the car. If they had examples of it out there, they would have to support it, and that's expensive. So at the end of the day, it's it's it's, bore- it's super boring. I'm sorry for the conspiracy guys, but it was just a corporation making a business decision to spend less money where they weren't required to. You know, then you fast forward, and you know the big winner there was um, some of the foreign automakers that made more efficient cars, like the Prius and stuff like that, that came in soon after.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, We'll move on, but I do want to say that I got to tell you, if you're making billions of dollars uh, with one energy source and another one's coming in that you can get for free, yeah. Those interests, those corporate interests that have lobbies in Congress are going to be spending a lot of money to keep yeah. electric out and yeah. keep oil in. Absolutely. Uh, so so that that's the conspiracy I think people are talking about. But let's move on to a much bigger conspiracy and that is getting me an antique car yeah. that I can convert <laughs> into electricity. Uh, right. Let's keep I it know. local. I know, uh, right? Uh, I had had I wanted it before I came in. Yeah. So let me ask you uh, the conversion process is fascinating to me cuz I want to figure out how this works. So let's say uh, I've always wanted a Mustang like a 1960 60s Mustang, mm-hmm. um, how, let's say I go and buy one, uh, wh- What? and I bring it here, I say, hey, Michael, you know, we talked, you're on the show, fascinating nouns, help me out here, man. How can I turn this into an electric car? What will we do first?
1: Well, so the first decision is, you know, is this something that you're going to really keep uh, as a restoration example? You know, some of these cars mm-hmm. now are becoming classics, and um, so there's kind of a fork in the road. We do most of our work, about 60, 70% of our work is what we call reversible. Uh, we don't do anything permanent to the car the electric system can come back out of the vehicle and the combustion engine can go right back in now of course like literally no one is ever going to do that but the fact that it can be done keeps the integrity in the vehicle which keeps the value in right, the vehicle right, right. and uh, you know it helps us uh, earn a little bit more respect from the automotive enthusiasts right uh, <laughs> then you have the other guys you got the guys that they don't care what they're doing they'll take an old Datsun Z car and put an LS1 motor in it and hang a you know, a couple turbos out the hood or whatever, you know, mm. and those are the guys that are going in and really doing resto mod high performance stuff. And then that's the other, you know, maybe 30, 40% of our projects go that route where we're doing whole drivetrain swaps, putting in Tesla drivetrains, you know, really, really just overstated horsepower for a small lightweight car. The stuff yeah. that, uh, to be totally honest, is just really, really fun. <laughs> it's right. the, yeah. it, it's <laughs> what keeps us going. It's a blast, you know? Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, so a guy like me, I just want- I've always wanted an old muscle car, but I don't want the V8 engine. Uh, I want to have an electric car, but I don't want a cool-looking car. That's really the, the, yeah. the, that's really the truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I love that the the feature, because a lot of the cool videos you have up, it, it is a really cool feature, especially with the Volkswagen bug. You talk about a lot of this, because that can be more standardized, I'm assuming, because right. they were so similar for so Well, long. same with
1: the Mustang, right? It's an extremely uh, popular. Yeah, yeah same yeah, thing. Fair. Camaros, all those early cars. And we've developed systems. I mean, that's essentially what we do. Um, you know, We do a lot of integration, where we do engineering on the car. Uh, create computer models, create parts that bolt into those factory setups. In the same way that the Ford, you know, any 289 will bolt into any old Ford Mustang, we can make those very same mounts and bolt an, any number of uh, power systems at any price range or power level into that same space.
0: Well, you know, and it's all well and good to say like, hey, you can bolt this here, put this here, we can remove it. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. So if I've got to remove the, let's say I've got a car. So I've I've got a car here. Um, let's say it doesn't run. Okay, so I have a towed here and i say hey let's let's get to work on this stuff how what is pulling the engine look like how what do you have to pull out and then what do you put in to replace it
1: <laughs> just about anything that stinks or leaks or smokes comes I out i love right? that so, yeah. yeah you know you, you would pull you know typical stuff right the gas tank the engine you know depending on if you're doing a tesla system or not maybe the transmission and line. Uh-huh. definitely you know all the exhaust and just you know all that stuff right fuel system the canisters um, radiator Uh, You know, literally just about every single thing in your car that leaks or (laughs) puts drops of oil on the floor, you know, so um, you remove all that. And then, you know, depending again, this is a fabrication thing in in each car and each customer situation. Uh, for the most part it's different you know some of the volkswagen and porsche product we have real templated stuff that we've Mm. done over and over right um but you know most guys that come in with an old mustang they're muscle car guys and in the same way if you were putting a new combustion engine in your mustang you might do something as big as a 351 or just go the old standard route with a 289 right so there's Mm. still a lot of different paths you can take uh, you, you know, we and we see this today. I see old classic Mustangs that are just completely built, tons of aftermarket parts, nothing original. And then there's other ones that look like they just rolled off the showroom floor in the late right. 60s, you know. <laughs> right. And they're both perfect, right? There's plenty of examples of both around that sure. it's, you know, neither is wrong. They're both uh, respecting a car, and that's fantastic.
0: So I could, so I essentially, if I want an electric car, the ideal thing would be to buy a car that doesn't have an engine, that doesn't, the least amount of stuff, was better than essentially is what you're saying
1: well you want a car that you enjoy that's the most important thing right you know and if it has a blown motor or not you know we get that question a lot should i go get something that has a blown motor well, that's up to you. Focus on the car. You're not going to drive the blown motor for the next 10 years. You're going to bl- drive the car. So make sure it's a color paint that you like or an interior that you like or a year that you like. Use that stuff. Um, all of the engines, you know, go back to, you know, similar car enthusiasts, maybe restoring another car and that they needed the engine, you know. Is it easy uh, to get rid of those? I mean, it's oh, easy yeah, to- they go real quick. Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's not really. The I problem. mean, uh, and, and again, here, you know, car enthusiasts can agree with me. You go out, you rebuild your motor, and you go driving. In your car, and you get a little excited, and you get deep into the accelerator, and you're revving it out. And there's a small part of you that knows that's one less rev you're going to have on that motor, right? Uh, combustion engines have a fixed number of revolutions. You know, sometimes more, sometimes less, but uh, they pretty much always give up the ghost after so many miles. And so, I've never there's thought a, of an a certain like sadness in driving a built motor hard. I mean, we have yeah. it when we race. You know, every single race, you know, you have this. I can drive the car harder but i want the engine to last but it will
0: die sooner
1: right and so you're jeez man subconsciously holding back and and an electric drive, especially like these A.C. brushless induction motors that we're using, there's none of that. And so it's just pedal to the metal, you know, full oh. time. <laughs> uh, they, in fact, they like to run cold. You know, you run yeah. out in uh, the middle of the night, run to a you know, supermarket or something like that. You get in the electric car, turn the key on and just stomp on the gas pedal. There's no warm up, you know. Right. Um, so it's it's a little bit more of the fun factor is a little higher. And you don't have that worrisome, oh, I'm killing, you know, the seals in my motor, my valve <laughs> guys. You just don't have any of those old combustion worries that I used to have. And, you know, after you run in your car hard, making sure you cool it down properly, I mean, all that stuff, it's just, I, I don't miss it. <laughs>
0: no, I, I don't blame you. Um, so let's say I had this car, I come to you, how much would it cost in general to convert it from the m- late 60s mu- Mustang muscle car to uh, the... The uh, electric car that, you know, the world will love.
1: Right. So standard parts and something like that, you know, you're about probably 16 to 25,000, you know, 16 on the low end system, a single motor, keeping the stock drivetrain, you know, retaining the stock transmission and all that to more wild stuff at about 25. That'll buy you anything from a twin motor system with a long range battery to a Tesla drive. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's about the parts range. And then Uh, The labor in our shop, uh, you know, we charge on, on average about 15, you know, anywhere from, you know, 13 to 20 or something for labor. And um, Dollars and, or yeah, dollars, fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, if, it gets expensive. Oh, fifteen yeah. thousand. dollars like fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah. I know, fifteen thousand okay. dollars. Yeah, it gets it gets up there real quick. It takes yeah. a lot of time, and um, and you know, again, we're engineering, so a lot of the applications we're doing are first time applications, right. and we have a lot of other shops and DIY, you know, shade tree mechanics and affiliate shops that are doing our kits now, uh-huh. and those are more sorted out, and they're a much quicker installation time, so they can charge a lot less and
0: get customers taken care. Of, you know, quite a bit quicker, right? So you obviously love this stuff. W- what do you have here? What are your favorite projects that are going on right now as of this recording? Oh gosh, your um, favorite right now? Well, to it's head. tough. I got a lot of, <laughs> I got a lot of
1: projects. Um, God, that's really tough. Um, you know, we're doing um, that 1963 pickup back there, um, and we're going to put a Tesla drive in the rear of that, and we're going to lift it up and put kind of bigger tires. So it's kind of fun to have kind of a bigger lifted vintage pickup truck. I mm-hmm. think that I'd, I'm going to have to say right now, that's my current favorite. That's your one? Favorite. Yeah, yeah.
0: Have you had a lifted pickup truck before? Well, yeah. You know, I grew up in Southern California. I can't make it to the desert without a pickup I truck. I guess that's, that's true. Lifted. Yeah. I never thought about that. I guess that's true. When I think yeah. of pickup trucks, I don't think of Southern California, I guess. Well,
1: we, you know, it's. I think it's really the guys that Dirt Bike Ride, you know. Oh, and, right. And, um, you know, I've been into dirt bike riding and camping in the desert for years, and it's tough to do in a sedan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, so what about some of the, do you have, uh so you, do you still have the first Ferrari, the first electric Ferrari? I believe there's a thing up Yeah, that's me. gone off.
1: Uh, it's gone off to auction. Yeah. the um, It got auctioned off at Barrett Jackson and has a new owner, you know, driving it around now and stuff. Wow. So does he promote the fact that it's the
0: first electric Ferrari? Or? Uh,
1: I think he was for a while. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't talked to the owner. We, we stay in touch. You know, the, the funny thing is, Uh, like the very first customer we ever had, I think we're going on six or seven years now. Uh, we never talked to them and and they called like for the first time in three years and they thought they might've had a problem and they came up and they, it turned out they actually didn't even have a problem. Uh, and I think they are, they just turned over 70,000 miles, uh, in, uh, in an older, uh, you know, it was an MR2 of all cars, like a 91 MR2, not really our, our target market, but this was one of the first cars that we did. And, and, um, uh, it's just, it's so neat to see this stuff because the the reality is when you're putting in something brand new, you have to speculate on how it's going to work. You really don't right. know. So it's nice to get the validity of, you know, down the line, the, the reassurance. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it really has been working good. You know, this right. wasn't full of problems and just some, you know, selling you some black magic or
0: something. <laughs> right, oil, the snake yeah, oil. right. So, now, what where do you get all of these engines? I forgot to mention that, like, you know, you're putting in all these Tesla well, motors. Where are they coming from? Well, so, you
1: know, keep in mind, that's kind of a late development and, you know, okay. most all of our business uh, is um, with motors that are made right here in California. We've got a company that we work with called HPEVS up in uh, in the Ontario, California area. And they make uh, a motor right here, and um, you know we've sold thousands of them. There's tons of cars driving around on these little AC induction motors. You know, so again, another wow. thing where this kind of industry popped up, and now you have you know several businesses like ours that sell and install and engineer systems for these motors. You know, that didn't exist
0: previously. Wow. And but some of these, a lot of, a lot of the ones that are coming in from Tesla, you you just you you buy smashed up Tesla cars? Is that how? yeah, they're... absolutely. Is there yeah. enough of them like a supply?
1: Uh, yeah, they've shipped, I think a half million cars now. There's a couple hundred thousand on the road in the States. And, um, on any given day, there's probably, you know, anywhere from 50 to a hundred going through the, through the auctions each week. I said any given day, but each week, you know, uh, so we continually bring in, you know, a couple a week.
0: Wow. And you to have know. to buy the whole car? Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but, but, do the rest. I mean,
1: we'll do anything. I mean, we've had people show up in our back door with, a you know, pickup truck and yeah, I, I smashed my Tesla, I sold the battery, I have a motor, do you want to buy it? And we'll put it on the test bench and run it and, and buy the motor, we'll buy batteries. We We have all the facilities to test this equipment. That's Right. You know, mostly people look at this stuff, and they look at a Tesla motor, and it just looks like a big, huge Coors Light can to them. You know, they're yeah. like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Yep. Uh, but That's we neat. have the facilities to test it. And if we if it runs, you know, and it's uh, healthy, it's worth money, and we can put that in a car, and it's every bit as valuable as a, you know, a crate motor,
0: a 350 Chevy, or whatever you want to call it. Right. <laughs> right? That's what it is to us. It's just a drive system. Yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense. And you guys – so you guys have your own power supply here that you run all of your equipment on? How is that possible?
1: Well, we have several, right? Okay. I mean, we've got a bunch of uh, battery packs. I mean, the battery packs that are in these cars, uh, you know, you can do off-grid storage. And oh. uh, yeah, the amount of energy that it takes to actually drive a car is phenomenal. You know what I mean? The amount of energy that some of these battery packs contain can run like a, an average house for almost a full month. <laughs> wow. Yeah, right. And so, um, y- y- you know, the there's a lot of energy in a car. You're putting, a, You're pumping a lot of energy through it. And because of that, the battery packs are huge and they have all these other applications. And when you're talking about running a piece of shop equipment compared to a car, Mm -hmm. you know, we can run that shop equipment for, for weeks
0: and weeks, what normally would only be like a hundred mile trip in a car. Wow, and and so you have a solar array on top of your building. Yeah, and it right. it powers. That's that's plenty. Yeah,
1: so it continually it charges the batteries. Our our battery, our bank of batteries, uh, uh, until uh, it's full, and then it will shut down. And there's times, you know, it's abundant sunshine. I mean, look at how bright it is outside right now. Yeah. It's a, uh, if we went out there and looked at it, it'd probably be uh, full
0: right now. Yeah. And it's just amazing that you can charge it all on solar. I mean, yeah. thats I think that's yeah. kind of another misconception is that it's not strong enough, but you guys are doing it here.
1: Yeah, no, and and at our house, too, um, we produce, we just got our annual report, and we produced uh, uh, more than one and a half times what we consumed. Um, wow. So, yeah, we put uh, a huge amount of energy right back into the grid. We didn't get paid for it. We yeah, zeroed ask our you bill to- out. Yeah. No, we didn't get paid. I mean, they paid for some of our natural gas and our taxes and stuff, but... Um, you know, and, and I have friends like, oh my God, you're giving away electricity. Why are yep. you doing this? And it's like, it's no big deal. And, and they don't understand the long term plan is I'm going to have a pickup truck and the pickup truck's going to take 250 kilowatt hours to fill up the battery. And we're going to start consuming more electricity. And I wanted to be in a position to be ready for that. Really? You
0: yeah. Know? So no, I guess that makes sense. I mean, one like I mentioned, that, that town that I did the profile on before, they would sell back energy to the grid, and they made pretty good money yeah, doing that. Yeah. I mean, it helped fund a lot of projects. Right. That was East Coast or something? Uh, it's or? in the Midwest. Yeah. It's in the middle of yeah. uh, right south of Chicago.
1: Yeah, for some reason, uh, you know, just based on the hearsay that I'm from talking to customers, there's not too much of that on the West Coast. Hmm. And so you know, Even for us, we're trying to stuff? use our energy mainly. They give you a credit, but yeah. uh, I don't think anybody's writing a, a check. But... Again, this is one of those situations, you know, w- what's really hot right now is this whole van life thing. You got all these guys doing sprinter vans and stuff like that. So we get asked a lot about those because a lot of those guys have kind of gotten to off-grid running their refrigerator and microwave. What do you mean microwave. van life? I'm sorry, well, what? these guys, this this whole trend of driving the big, huge sprinter vans around and kind of making them into mobile campers and stuff like that. And we're just seeing a trend trend. Um, I mean, vehicles in America are getting bigger right now. And so as we electrify them, our demand for energy is going to grow astronomically. It's really, really going to jump. But I think most of that stuff, most of that growth will be – Added to in the form of off grid systems.
0: I don't think I've ever heard of that. I mean, whenever I see a sprinter van, they kind of freak me out because they look yeah. like it's exactly what you would kidnap someone in to keep them. I always think that there's someone banging on the inside. Yeah. They're really scary yeah. looking. Yeah. So well, people there's people are living, living in, in, in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big trend. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, you, you go
1: along the coast and there's guys that I swear you see every single day. And, you know, it's not a bad life living in a van, but you're at the beach, you know, surfing, living the life. But
0: I guess. Um, but
1: you're seeing more and more of that. I have a, a good friend of mine that just set up some panels out the desert and he's gotten into electric dune buggies now um, you're just you're seeing that in fact i coined a term the other day what electric gypsies you know you're just gonna right. see these guys just you know big uh caravans with solar panels and there's all their energy you
0: know? wow that i mean i i it's crazy now all these advancements is this because the technology made a big jump did solar panels make a big efficiency jump did batteries make a big efficiency jump that's making this possible now no it's just that relentless progress
1: Right, it's it's uh, every night we go to sleep and these things just keep going forward. Right, so uh, I think that's what's so neat. We didn't rely on one huge kind of uh, technology jump. It's just been slow and steady. And so the speculation is it's going to continue at that rate. And when you start penciling out that rate and energy densities, you know all of a sudden, like I mentioned earlier, all of these new applications open up from you know big rigs, long travel trailers, airplanes. Uh, I mean, we really want to get to the point where we can electrify uh, big cargo ships, right? They're the dirtiest of all the polluters. They pollute yeah. that heavy oil or whatever they burn. Um, everybody's done the napkin math. We know we can power the every energy need on our planet through solar. And the argument has always been, well, you can only do that when it's sunny. And that was answered now with batteries. So now all of the pieces to the puzzle are on the table, and we're just taking time to assemble it. But that was the big holdup. You know, you kind of had to have the solar market developed that could mm-hmm. create all this off-grid energy. Uh, and now, you know, now you're seeing these huge off-grid systems. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, for your listeners, the one in Australia that uh, Elon Musk just did, he actually bet them that it would be up and running and pay them back in a certain amount of time. And he won the bet because it did perform and did deliver. And now it's kind of killed the whole market for these short-term generators, this emergency Mm. backup power, because the battery can come online so much faster and with Mm. the use of software uh, than a a real power plant. And so it's really uh, disrupted uh, what, uh, some of these emergency power plants in that whole market and, you know, to the customer, which is the normal residents of Australia paying their power bill, uh, this is a savings to them, right? right? And it's rare that you see nowadays us not burdened with another bill or another increase or another something, you know, here's a technology that actually costs less and cut continuing costs.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and and before we finish here, you know, probably not not as noble as that, but one of the cool things where, because I want to know where people can see you, where they can find you. Uh, you've you've got a, you've got a, a couple of shows. You have a, a, a podcast that you did a couple of years ago on your on your website, right? On your right. YouTube channel. Yeah. But you also partnered with with Jay Leno, didn't you? Yeah, we've done. I mean, we've done uh, a show
1: with Jay Leno. We've done a show with the Wheeler Dealers program, uh, Top Gear America. We've done. Um, you know, Translogic, a lot of these, you know, Rods and Wheels Discovery, a lot of these neat little shows where we've kind of come in and done projects for them and stuff like that. So uh, we were doing our own show. um, And, you know, we just we ended up getting so busy with customer work. uh, It was tough to make a show. And Mm -hmm. we just literally ran out of time. But we were doing something called the EV show. And we're going to try to to get back into it. We've hired some help. We've got some more people in here now. We're going to try and get back to those original roots. We had fun, right? Making the videos great and kind show, of showing yeah. off some of the stuff that we were doing. So um, we're going to, you know, we're going to get back into it.
0: If you cut the time
1: down, it'll make it easier. Yeah. So now was a lot to fill. That's funny because that was like, that's, uh, that's the number one thing. with it. Our number one change to make it easier. We were yeah. just, we were trying to do too much, you know, and we'd never really done a show like that before, so.
0: Oh, it all it all worked out. And so, where can people find your shop? Are you guys online? Obviously, I'm in your shop. I found it, but how can other people do it?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the light engagement that we like is usually through social media because that shows what we're working on. You know, in Instagram and Facebook or our main avenues there. I'm sure just Evie West in the search bar will pull it up.
0: Well, with, um, and
1: I could put it on the webpage. Yeah, you know, and. Uh, the website is really an e-commerce store. So when Mm -hmm. you direct people there, they're kind of like, oh, okay, I'm just here to buy a motor or (laughs) some batteries. So it's a little boring, you know? So, we kind of direct people to you know just really anything on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, type in EV West into the search bar, and you'll probably find some pretty fun stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll, and I'll have links to all this stuff. And also, you guys have an active landline phone number. Um, I know because it went off earlier, yeah. and you can leave a technical message for Michael, and, and yeah. he'll get it. It may be recorded into you know into someone else's podcast. We don't we don't do tech calls on the weekend. <laughs> it's pretty interesting yeah, stuff.
1: We do do tech calls. I mean, that's one of you know. Uh, so part of the business model here is, you know, you're a guy, you're talking about your Mustang and you want to build mm. your Mustang. So you have a need to actually purchase parts, right? That's true. Now, all of these parts are new because the whole market's new. So a lot of the stores and the outlets that resell these parts haven't even installed them themselves or played with them. Wow. So that's really the the reason why we're here is because you can see about 80% of our facilities have really filled with an installation facility to actually build this stuff. So everything that we sell on our website, we've installed. So we can support it from the standpoint of we've done this
0: before. And so we can kind of help people with a lot of the the you know, questions that come up with these systems. No, it's incredible stuff. I mean, I highly recommend it. And we're going to take a walk around the shop. I'm going to put up some videos and check out some of the cool projects and your skateboarding skills, which we talked about earlier. So look for that on the website. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for taking yeah, so much thank time you. out this for this. Yeah, thank you. This
1: was fun. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate
0: it. <laughs> thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glenn Co. production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. Go to FascinatingNouns.com to learn all about the show, listen to past episodes, check out the guests, and even subscribe on all the major platforms including Google Play, TuneIn, iTunes, and Stitcher. And you can also follow the show on social media. You can f- find links to the show's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram all that stuff, bottom of the Fascinating Nouns webpage. Also, you can subscribe to the newsletter where you can learn more about this, behind-the-scenes stuff for this, and other podcasts, including my latest podcast, Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies, where you can find it at FGGBT.com. That's FGGBT.com. Say it one more time, FGGBT.com, where I take pop culture technology, things you find in your favorite TV shows and movies, and take a panel of experts, scientists, and we break down how to make those things in real life we've got all kinds of things including the t1000 everlasting gobstopper portable holes from your favorite acme shows and even dr octopus's arms uh i love comic books so a lot of comic book stuff in there f and if you like those two podcasts you love everything i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening end of transmission